Welcome, you're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. I'm the founder and president, Philip Telfer, and host of this weekly podcast. I'm back in the studio with my friend and co-host, Rhett Simpkins. Rhett, glad to be back with you one more week to yes. uh, record this podcast again. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be with you as well. So we have a couple things planned, but we've we've actually heard back from some podcast listeners. It's yeah. great. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, there. We actually have a few, at least three, <laughs> so <laughs> that we know of. And uh, so, first off, we we also received uh, an interesting email from uh, a, a a young man who watched Captivated. You want to read that for us? Sure. The subject is life changing. He says, "Dear team behind Captivated." I'm a 12-year-old boy. I saw your movie with my family last night. I was amazed at some of the facts and statistics. After hearing that video gaming is as addictive as smoking crack, I threw out my video games and destroyed my Xbox 360 controllers with a sledgehammer. Seriously. Just wanted to thank you for showing me how harmful they are to my mind. Thanks. Wow. That just blew me away when I saw that. We've actually had a a pretty good response from from young people, you know, around that age to the documentary because once again our captivated is not a uh, a sensationalistic approach, you know, to documentary filmmaking. We really wanted to just present uh, present truth and to do that with uh, a mul- multiple interviews and the one he was making reference to was the interview with Dr. Jeff Myers. So if you haven't seen that, uh, be sure to uh, catch that. You can actually see a clip of that on the Captivated website. We have several uh, clips that we've uploaded from the documentary. I also received this uh, message through Facebook. It says, hello there. I'm a busy homeschooling mother of two. I haven't written before in regards to the podcast because I haven't had a minute to do it. Uh, however, I want you to know that I have listened to every single one. I enjoyed them and grown because of them. Please keep them coming. So really appreciative of little notes like that. Once again, as we mentioned last week, that's what we call Ministry Fuel. All right, you got it. Ministry Fuel helps us uh, keep going. Sometimes it can get a little discouraging uh, not knowing, especially in broadcast like this where you're just scattering information out there and not knowing whether it's landing anywhere or producing any fruits. So what else do we have? Yeah, we have another encouraging email about the podcast. It says, uh, hi, Mr. Telfer and Rhett. I hope your preparations for the film festival are going smoothly. This is a long overdue email about the podcast. I know you've asked numerous times for listeners to email and I've had it on my list. Anyway, I have listened to almost all the podcasts so far as they've come out and have found them helpful and encouraging. And if there are other people out there like me, I think you can assume they do listen, have been meaning to email, and have not gotten around to it yet. Thanks for your work, Yana. Thank you, Yana, for that encouraging word. And uh, for our other uh, podcast listeners out there, you know, if you can take a moment, send us an email, uh, that would be great. We would love to hear from you. Even if it's just a, a, just say hello, or maybe even better yet, if you have a question, because that's something we're always looking for. 
And that leads us to our next part of this podcast. We did get a question, Mm -hmm. and boy, it's a loaded one. So (laughs) (laughs) why don't you fire away there, Rhett? Okay. This person wrote in and said, Since Media Talk 101 is holding the Christian Worldview Film Festival very soon, I have a question about the current state of Christian films. By God's grace, I was saved in my late 30s, so I had seen my share of secular films before my conversion. I started watching Christian films after that, and they were lackluster at best, meaning the quality of the acting, scripts, cinematography, and the like were not very good to say it mildly. As time has gone on, I'm in my early 50s now, the production quality has come a long way, but now there seems to be another problem that I see in Christian films, and that is what I call the Christian veneer. It is when the film has some pseudo-Christian content to it, but it could easily be edited out, and it wouldn't hurt the story in the film at all. Voila! Edit out a few minutes of the Christian veneer, and instantly you have a film that secular society could enjoy. This type of thing is obvious to a discerning Christian viewer, and all that is left is a film with no foul language or gratuitous violence. To me, this is not a Christian film, and some are so bad about it, they won't even mention our Savior Jesus Christ at all, and just... and just give some lip service to a generic god that could be anything. The question is, at the Filmmakers Guild, are you or some other scheduled speakers going to address the fact that a lot of so-called Christian filmmakers seem to be more interested in the being a filmmaker aspect than the Christian aspect of bringing glory to the name of Jesus Christ through their filmmaking? Since this is a Christian worldview film festival, I would like to hear your thoughts on this subject. Wow, this is a loaded question. And so, I mean, there's multiple questions here and multiple concepts that I would love to address. And so I might try to deal with some of the easier ones to handle and then get into some of the stickier ones. One of the questions here is, is this one of the topics that we're going to be talking about uh, at the Filmmakers Guild? And the simple answer for that is yes. And in fact, uh, my response to this question today, I'm going to uh, be looking uh, while I'm speaking at some of my notes that I personally have been writing uh, on this subject and, uh, you know, maybe try to try to integrate some of that, some of the things that I hope to be sharing on and others as well. At the Filmmakers Guild, we're going to have a lot of technical Uh, things in regard to filmmaking. So we have over 40 workshops and out of those workshops it's a a lot of hands-on or you know practical areas but there are going to be uh, several talks uh, from myself and Rich Cristiano and probably George Escobar and others that will be geared towards you know talking about the heart of the of a Christian filmmaker. There are a couple of the workshops as well uh, geared in that direction. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up is this idea of what what this writer, this anonymous writer, calls the Christian veneer in filmmaking. And there are several things I have to, to say about that. First of all, the person who wrote this question talks about this Christian veneer and that if you were to remove it, that you would have essentially a film that 
you know, secular people could enjoy. I, I question one thing about that is if you took the Christian veneer off of a Christian film, I, I still don't think many non-Christians would enjoy it. <laughs> you know, so I'm not, I'm not sure that there are, are very many films that are being produced by Christians, even with that little thin veneer that are at the caliber or quality that would catch the attention of, of non-Christians. I mean, they're so used to this, these high budget uh, Hollywood productions and Hollywood, even though I am, I am opposed to a lot the philosophies and and I understand the battle and the worldview issues and that's that's what media talk 101 is about we we talk about these things that this is a spiritual battle that's taking place and all media has a message and so so Hollywood has the wrong messages you know probably 99% of the time but they do know how to tell compelling stories and they do know how to produce them and they do know how to market them and they do know how to draw people in. I mean, they're the, they have defined this, this medium for, for many years. So that's, uh, that's something that Christians uh, are still, I think, hoping, Christian filmmakers are hoping to reach a caliber. But it's like, you know, Christian radio. You know, Christian radio, it's kind of its own thing. In fact, in all the years that we've been traveling across the country, we don't listen to the radio a lot. We generally listen to audio books or we listen to music that we have preloaded on our on the, on a iPhone. But on occasion, if you're looking for a Christian radio station, all you have to do is just spin the dial and listen for that particular sound that just doesn't sound like, you know, anything mm-hmm. that you would hear. The, the, the world's producing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that you can, I, I've always been able to do that. I can just, I'm like, I may not even know the song, but it's like, oh, here's the Christian radio station. You can just, it, it has a, I don't know if it's just the production coming out of Nashville or, or what it is. There's just something about the, the, I don't know if I'd call it the quality of it or that that's just, it's just distinct. It's different. And, uh, that, you know, I kind of wonder how does that appeal to if you if you took out any of the con, the Jesus content out of the music would uh, would the world really enjoy it or not? I remember as a as a new Christian, uh, and I had before I was walking with the Lord, I had been filling my heart and my mind with a lot of of secular music, and it was garbage. I mean, this wasn't even this was not even this was this was stuff that was clearly against God, against what's right. It was toxic, and that's what I was listening to. Uh, but I also had become very accustomed to the styles and, you know, being entertained by the production. And so the production value is very high in the secular music world. So when I uh, began to uh, put aside secular music and I said I'm not going to listen to secular music anymore I, I neither did I want to listen to Christian music because I thought it was so poorly made <laughs> and it just to me it was so shallow and it was mm. and it was uh, I mean the, even the sound of it didn't really appeal to me so I went for quite a long time with without listening to music at all not even Christian music because it it just didn't do much for me eventually though what attracted me in to listen to certain kinds of Christian music was the content. 
you know, things that glorified God, things that really, I, I believe, helped me keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And one of those, the, surprisingly enough, one of the early types of music that really uh, drew my attention was the music of Keith Green. And I remember growing up, you know, growing up in a Christian household, I, we were at church one time, I was at a youth event, and it was one of those things where you, they, they were giving away prizes if you invited someone. Well, I, I didn't want to be at this particular event, so I, I brought one of my friends with me who didn't want to be there either, but we could be there together, and neither of us want to be there. But I brought a friend, and nobody else had brought a friend, even though I was really not even walking with the Lord and didn't want to be there. And so they, so I won a prize, and my prize was a Keith Green cassette. And I remember going, oh, great. And I'm popping it into the cassette player and going, oh, this is so awful, the sound. I can't stand this guy. And I didn't, I didn't want to listen to that at all until after I became a Christian. And when I became a Christian... There was, there was the heart and the spirit behind Keith Green's music that really attracted me and, and, and drew me beyond the style and beyond the production. I mean, there was something more to it. Of course, Keith Green is, is uh, home with the Lord. He hasn't been around for quite a while. And even then, his, his music was not very contemporary. It was, it was somewhat dated. But even to this day, I appreciate uh, Keith Green's music. But it's it it goes beyond comparing it. Well, is this the production value as high as what the world produces? Was was were his lyrics as clever as someone else's lyrics, or whatever the case may be? But I wasn't really drawn, you know, to it uh, because it I was comparing it to what the world produced. And so that's the I think that's part of the challenge we face with Christian filmmaking. Because if the end goal, you know, if the end goal is to have something that a Christian produces that's at, at exactly what the world produces, but it's just, you know, has this Christian veneer, then that, that would certainly, I think, fit into this question. I just, I've yet to see any productions like that yet that would, you know, if you took the Christian content out, mm. would easily cross over and be an appeal to the world. That's a whole other subject. And one that I know that I believe Rich Cristiano will be talking about at the film festival and, and where some Christian filmmakers are not, they're, they're trying, you know, they're trying, we want to, we want to produce the next epic film or, and in the process, you know, there's still the, the lower budget, there's still other issues, there's still things that, that really, even if they're trying to be subtle, are, are going to go against the, the cultural stream of things and you know whether or not the world would really uh that really appeals to the world if you were to take out the christian content even if it is a thin veneer i don't know but that's somewhat of a rabbit trail because i know that that wasn't what this person was asking about they you know they were talking about this this veneer that you do see in christian productions where you know we just have a little bit uh, of of Christianity sprinkled in there, and I'd like to take it beyond Christian filmmaking. To me, that's just a symptom of a deeper problem, and that's that Christian veneer in Christianity today. Hmm. I, I mean, am I off here, Rhett? Or I no. don't. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think that there's this this idea of a veneer 
you know is this just only in christian films no i think uh, you know we can often see that even in church services and we talked about that before in uh, a previous podcast um, but uh, certainly you could make the case that that covers a wide variety of Christian uh, types of things that's right you know and it's and it's everything from you know going into a Christian bookstore and you have the Christian t-shirts and the Christian hats and you have we have Christian music and there are Christian movies and and you can brand things as as Christian and just like a Christian T-shirt, you know, if you, um, you know, it'd be like taking. So, let's let's take whatever was Christian about that T-shirt off of it. It's probably some slogan or some message, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you took that off, I mean, is that would you have anything marketable to the world there? Well, you'd be left with a T-shirt, and I guess then people would just look at the quality of it. Is it a is it a quality T-shirt? <laughs> is it is it something that I would wear? Is it not something I'd wear? It's a little different because that you know a T-shirt actually has a practical uh, value to it, so that's probably not the best example to bring up. But on the subject of filmmaking, you know this is this is this is an onion. I'm not sure quite how many layers to peel, <laughs> you know, to to get to the. But let's let's try. Let's let's make an attempt to to peel the layers back on this, this idea of this Christian veneer. But once again, I think it's a symptom of a deeper problem. So what we're, what we're seeing in Christian filmmaking is, is something that is, is a product. I mean, it's, it's the fruit of what you see in Christianity today. And Christianity is all over the map. So obviously you're going to see uh, the films that are being made by Christians kind of all over the map. Now, one thing that might be helpful, since I mentioned music before, it might be helpful to talk a little bit about uh, the Christian music industry. And then we'll we'll try to tie this in with some scriptural concepts because I don't want to leave out, I don't want to just ramble on and ramble on and not really bring in some biblical principles here. But uh, let's talk about Christian music and for for all throughout Christian history, there has been uh, Christian music, and even before, just in the history of God and man, you know, the people that are set apart for God, we see music being a part of that. We see King David was a musician, and he integrated music into the temple worship, and we have all the Psalms uh, that we, to this day, you know, we are edified by you know, as we, as we read them and as people continue to put them to music or little bits and pieces of the Psalms to music and we sing them. And, and this is something that's a part of, of Christianity. And you, you know, this idea of Christians creating content that is for the glory of God was nothing to be, you know, nothing to be ashamed about. It was, this is a, this is an act of worship to him and we could care less whether the world likes it or not. It's not for them. This is for this is for the Lord. Now, when it comes to creating music that is going to appeal to the culture, I would suppose that if you go throughout history, that culturally the music, uh, the style at least changed with culture, but consistently Christians producing music at least if it has words with it. You know, we're not talking about Bach now. You know, we we know that Bach even, he produced his music without, for the most part, a lot of it was without words. But uh, 
even though it was out w- without words, it was still dedicated to the glory of God, you know, and it was for use, you know, in the church. And so, but when you add words to it, certainly the content of music coming from Christians has been Christian <laughs> and uh, with, with no apology for it. But then we had something unique happen, you know, during the 70s, and that was the hippie movement. In the 60s and 70s, you had the hippie movement, and then you had the uh, what's known as the Jesus movement, where a lot of these hippies that were uh, found at the empty, you know, with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and wondering, there's got to be something more to life, and then God used people to reach out to them with the gospel, and many of them began coming to Christ. And there's the, the history of that. You can learn uh, God used guys like Chuck Smith, you know, with Calvary Chapel and others to kind of spark this revival in the late 60s and early 70s. And out of that, uh, you know, you have now you have n- non-Christians who get saved. So now they're Christians, but they came out of a particular culture. They're bringing a, a, a culture with them and a cultural style of music as well. And many of these Christians, young Christians, began to write songs to Jesus, write songs about uh, scriptural truth, about their faith. And it was, it was uh, set to the genre of the day. And that uh, sparked one of the first Christian music labels, which came out of Calvary Chapel, which was Maranatha. And if you look at some of those early Maranatha bands, they were, you know, hippies that had gotten saved and they were singing about Jesus and they were pretty bold about that. There was there was no Christian music labels, you know, at that point. There wasn't a Christian music industry. It didn't exist. Now, Christians have always been making music, but there was, was there really a need for an industry? But uh, things were shifting in the culture and, and there was actually... Uh, you know, as we go through, you know, you go through the history, then eventually you get from this bold Christianity being set in the genre of the day to then, uh, you know, you go down that road many years and this, the Christian music industry developed, then you had those who wanted to cross over. They wanted to go, they wanted to leave the Christian music industry and cross over into the secular, which is interesting because before there was a Christian um, music industry, there was a, a man named Larry Norman. And, oh boy, if someone knows better than this, they can they can uh, correct me and, and write in. I, I want to say that he was on RCA Records. I could be wrong on what label it was. But there were no Christian record labels. But Larry Norman was a Christian. And he, he sang about many things, but he also sang about Christ. And, and they produced his... So that was before there was any opportunity to cross over. He was just who he was and singing about Jesus and singing about things that were important to him. Uh, but he was a great, great musician. In fact, he was very inspirational to me. I, I heard Larry Norman in concert when I was 19 years old. And even though it wasn't necessarily my style or genre of music that I was interested in at the time, I heard him speak on the radio in an interview. And the things that he was saying just really intrigued me. And I thought, boy, I really want to... Uh, go hear this guy in concert. And so my wife Mary and I went and listened to Larry Norman in concert. And during that time, I, I sat there just mesmerized. It was just a guy with a guitar, acoustic guitar, singing uh, 
you know, really compelling music. You know, so he was a storyteller, and he and he did a great job at telling stories musically. And even though I had kind of come out of this, uh, you know, rock and roll and punk rock culture that I was weaning myself off of and getting into things like Keith Green and others, I mean, still, this was a big leap to go to a concert where it's just a guy and an acoustic guitar. And yet, I had never, in all the different rock concerts I had gone to, none of them had ever really engaged me like seeing this man just tell stories with a guitar. And I was I was hooked. I was like, in fact, at the time, I was an aspiring Christian rocker. That's what I wanted to do, you know, and uh, until I saw Larry Norman. And after that, uh, with the encouragement of my wife as well, and, and that just inspirational moment, I thought, that's what I want to do. I would love to be able to tell stories musically like Larry Norman tells stories. Now, I never achieved that. You know, I, I attempted. I don't think I ever achieved it to the level that Larry Norman was was at, you know, conveying ideas and thoughts through music like he did. But it certainly inspired me, and I began to learn how to... I'm like, I want to learn how to play guitar. I want to learn how to, to write songs like that and to engage people even on a smaller level with what I'm doing. And you know that's that's called a that's a genre, you know, and you you have a you have a genre that you know what your target audience is and for for many years I got to live out something that I'd always dreamed of doing. And uh, my family and I before I started Media Talk 101, my family and I traveled the country and I shared my music in small venues and in homes and in coffee shops and churches and and wherever I could find, you know, but I, I realized that what I was doing was not for the masses. It wasn't for everybody, and I didn't need to expect everybody to like my music. I didn't need to expect everybody to support what I was doing, but I did realize that there was a, a niche out there. You know, there was a particular audience I was looking to engage, and in order for me to engage that audience, I needed to know really who I was and, and what it was that I was trying to accomplish. And once some of those things were figured out, then I could really enjoy doing what, what I believe God had called me to do during that season of my life. And uh, I look back on that and and have no regrets. You know, I really, really appreciate that. Now, all of that being said is there's something I think that can be applied to Christian filmmaking as well. Because uh, all of the, when I was mostly engaged in music and in the world of Christian musicians and in coffee houses and, you know, performing at different places, uh, a lot of these discussions that Christian filmmakers are now having, these, these discussions have gone on with music for many, many more years. And so as we look at the, uh, as we look at how things have kind of shaken out over the history of, of, Christian music since the 70s, at least to present, you've had a few. You've had a handful of people that have crossed over. And uh, you have the, you know, Switchfoot is probably one of the better known bands. But even they haven't stayed completely crossed over. You know, I I think I recall hearing a Switchfoot song on the radio recently on a Christian uh, music station. So they're still producing stuff that's distinctly Christian but uh, they also had this crossover, and they were they were huge, you know, and they were being played also on secular radio stations. Uh, very few bands. I think um, another band that comes to mind was um, Jars of Clay. 
I think Jars of Clay had a, a one hit, maybe, mm-hmm. yep. that, that played on secular radio. But beyond that, not really. You know, it's just, and why? You know, you have to ask the question, why? Why, if their music is at the same caliber, which I think nobody would really deny in the case of Jars of Clay or Switchfoot, here their, their music is, is at the caliber of anybody else's music that's secular. But as long as they're Christians and they're they're living their lives and producing their music from a Christian worldview, even if they're trying to be subtle, they're going to be going upstream, you know, because it's a it's kind of a package deal for the world. They don't want just the music; they want the wild lifestyles, they want the they want the sensationalism, they want the tabloids, they want you know it's it's a it's a whole culture, and you know Christians. The, the big question is, can you really fit into that culture? Uh, and if you're if you're going to remain Christian within that culture, then you're going to stand out, and the world's going to take notice, and they may not really like it. But is that really what we're here for? So, I mean, I don't. I'd love to sit down and interview John Foreman of Switchfoot and ask him a bunch of questions because I think he'd have some insights on this. I've met him once. I I mean, I I believe him to be a sincere Christian man who loves the Lord. Uh, but you know some of his philosophy about um, music, you know, that's it's debatable. But here's certainly one thing: if if a band like Switchfoot uh, crosses over and they want to appeal to the secular world, and they're they're going to align themselves with something that's that's completely secular, and they and as I read in one interview of uh, the band. John Foreman saying, "Hey, we're not we're not a, we're not a Christian band. We're we're a band, and we happen to be Christians, <laughs> you know. So they try to make this this nuance. Well, okay, I mean, if that's where uh, the direction that they feel God has called them to go, but certainly they they shouldn't, and I don't think they have. They shouldn't whine about why they don't get support." Uh, from the church, why Christians, you know, or pastors don't play their music on Sunday morning, or you know, you know, and they don't. I mean, I haven't heard any whining from you know any of the band members from Switchfoot, but certainly uh, there's a lot of whining going on in the Christian filmmaking industry, you know, because you know if a Christian filmmaker says, well, I want to try to make a film that's not distinctly Christian. And I want to uh, I want it to appeal to the world, and then I want Christians to get behind me and support this. Uh, and why why is why am I not getting the support from Christians? Why aren't they why aren't they coming out in groves, you know, to to support my film in the theater? Or why are pastors not playing it? Well, look, you made your choice. You decided that that was the direction you wanted to go. So don't whine about it, you know. Um, there, there's, uh, there's all sorts of factors here, and once again, I, I feel like we're just slicing right through this onion, <laughs> not very well, mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than really peeling it layer by layer. Because truly, I've got so many thoughts jumbling through my mind right now that uh, I'm afraid our podcast listeners are just—it's not going to make much sense to them. So, boy, let me stop for a moment, and and let's—I th- I think we're. It'll be easier for me, Rhett, if we stretch this out into one or more podcasts because I'm just, my mind's going 90 miles an hour right now with a ton of thoughts on this subject. And I feel like I'm just jumbling it all together because it is all jumbled together. And it would probably be good for me to um, 
sit down and try to organize these thoughts a little bit better, peel the onion one later at a time. Now that I've just kind of went, Bleh, you know, <laughs> you just got to, you just got it all there. You know, you got a little bit of, of uh, what's, what's spinning around in my head. Because once again, on the subject of, of filmmaking, these kind of things have not been spinning around in my head for as long as the subject of music. Because this, these concepts and these ideas and these things we're wrestling with, with the Christian veneer, and uh, this is stuff that, these are conversations I've been having with people for over 20 years, but on the subject of music. And they've been engaging conversations, and, and once again, Christians are all over the map. But things have kind of shaken out, you know, the, these days. You just don't see a lot of, of crossover being successful. And even if it is successful, you know, the question would be, you know, we'd have to pose to John Foreman or anybody else, jars of clay or anybody, any that have crossed over to say, well, what did you learn through all of that? Uh, obviously, you haven't abandoned uh, the Christian music industry either because you guys keep popping back in. You don't you haven't really stuck with the crossover thing. So what what did you learn through all that? I haven't been there, so I, I can't answer that. Did did they reach millions for Jesus Christ through that? Did they see greater fruit from their ministry than they did uh, in what they were doing before? These are questions I personally can't answer, uh, but but they could, and I'd love to know what what is it? What was the fruit of all of that? But on the other hand, what we do see is that there is a distinct Christian. Uh, music industry today with multiple genres. I mean, you there are now dedicated radio stations whether you like them or not. <laughs> you know, that's we we don't need to go there, you know, necessarily, but you know, there's you can at least use it as an example of saying, "Hey, this is this is a distinct industry." I mean, they have there's multiple record labels. There are, you know, you can find uh, Christian music on iTunes and on Pandora and wherever else you go to get your music. You, it's it's very distinct. It's established. And um, for good or for bad, it's it's there and you can analyze it and you can see and you can say, hey, what's what's going well? What's, what's not going well? But one of the things that I do recognize is that you, you have, uh, at least in the Christian music, whether you like the genres or not, uh, there there's there was kind of a, a phase where Christians were really, you know, they really couldn't cross over because the world didn't really like their music, but they were trying to to avoid being too offensive. And you do, still see that today. You know, that song, those songs that could go either way. <laughs> you know, it's like, is this really about the Lord? Or is this about someone's boyfriend or girlfriend? Um, mm-hmm. you, you don't know. If it wasn't being played on a Christian radio station, well, uh you know, you, you may not know, but the reality is, is it's not going to be played anywhere else. <laughs> Nobody's going to play that song. It's it it doesn't cross over, and so there's there's a lot of questions just in in that. And so I think Christian filmmakers can can look towards some of these things and say, hey, is there anything we can learn from the Christian music industry? And one of my uh, years ago, there was a, a band called Seven Places. And one of my favorite songs, it was actually the title of one of their albums. It was called Hear Us Say Jesus. <laughs> and I loved it because it was right during this, it, was, they, it came out during this time where there was all this, this kind of compromise and this idea of like, well, we just want to make good music, but we don't really want to be for, you know, have Jesus in the forefront. We are Christians, but we want to make stuff that kind of appeals to the world as well as, you know, Christians who are in the know get it, you know. 
but uh, and then out then comes this band seven places and they're bold and they say hey hear us say Jesus and we're not going to be shy about this and and we're going to be clear about who we are what we're about and uh, I, I appreciate that and so you even on Christian radio today you see a mix of that you see people that are are not really shy at all about uh, who it is they're singing to or about or about their faith you still once in a while hear songs that you're like eh, it could go either way it's got that Christian veneer and uh, so with that um, let's let me um, wrap this up by mentioning a couple thoughts from Scripture on the subject of music because once again we're not going to find scriptures on filmmaking in the scriptures there's none there's none there of course that doesn't mean that there aren't scriptures that apply to Christian filmmaking but uh, but we do have things specifically about music now and next week as we record next week's podcast uh, I'll bring up some other things from scripture regarding craftsmanship uh, which I think also applies but on the subject of music we see in first chronicles 23 verse 5 this statement it says 4000 praised the lord with musical instruments and then it quotes david which i made said david for giving praise and so there david was a man after god's own heart he loved the lord he established 4000 who praised the lord with musical instruments and he said that he made these musical instruments for giving praise. It was uh, so David invented instruments. He he established a musical element in tabernacle worship, uh, which didn't exist before. And even though there was nothing in the law about music, it was something that was. Uh, but it was still we'll see in Scripture that it was something ordained by God. In First Chronicles nine thirty three, it says the singers. Uh, were to uh, be free from other duties for they were employed in that work it says day and night so this was important to God to have singers in his tabernacle employed day and night and they had no other duties that sounds like a great job (laughs) you know if you love music you know can you imagine I'm like that's my job that's what I got hired to do I get to praise God with an instrument or with my voice in this case with singing so if you're out there and you're a singer and you love singing wouldn't you wouldn't wouldn't you just love that like hey you know we're taking applications we're looking for godly people set apart for the Lord who would just be who would be part of a large choir of people who sing just day and night you know I don't I suppose they got breaks you know they probably cycled some in and cycled some out because you can only sing so long but um, you know that was their job they they didn't but they didn't just treat this as a job. This was a part of their life. In Psalm 87, verse 7, it says, Both the singers and the players on instruments say, All my springs are in you. And those springs, you know, the water, all my the flow, the where I I am sustained. Where where is this coming from? Where is this music, whether I'm singing or playing an instrument? Uh, unto the Lord where is this coming it says all of this is from you and that gives us just a little glimpse in what I'd like to continue next week on this subject as we look at uh, music in the scriptures 
uh, as we look at art and uh, craftsmanship and see how that applies to to Christianity. We want to answer you know some of these other questions once again in this this very very lengthy question about uh, Christian filmmaking. Uh, one of the other things I want to I'd like to deal with is just um, you know where does this where does this fit in you know whether it's whether we're talking about the christian veneer or whether we're talking about bold you know christianity in filmmaking or whether we're talking about stuff that doesn't even have the veneer you know it's just christians that are making films with with no veneer at all uh these are all things that are i've been thinking about quite a bit these days and ramping up to the film festival so we've gone quite a long time i've been rambling on uh, hopefully we won't lose all 10 podcast listeners in one week because of that <laughs> rant. And uh, maybe your heads are spinning going, what in the world was he trying to say? <laughs> what are you saying, Philip? Well, sorry about that. This is this is the world of the Media Talk 101 podcast these days. And uh, next week, I'll hopefully have my thoughts in a little better order. And then again, maybe not. What do you think, Rhett? <laughs> we'll give her a whirl. So, well, we do want to thank you for our faithful podcast listeners hanging in there. Uh, hang in for at least one more podcast episode. See if we can make, uh, you know, tie up some of these loose ends here and make some sense of it all. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. We have just a handful of episodes left until our one-year commitment of weekly podcasts is over. We are prayerfully considering how best to continue, so if this program has been helpful for you and your family, please let us know. Email your questions, comments, or words of encouragement to podcast at mediatalk101.org. And be sure to visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources.